grateful for you to join us on this last Wednesday, uh, sorry, this last Sunday of the month of February, which we've been celebrating black history. Uh, we thank you for those who are able to join us here live and in person, and they're able to those who join us right where you are. And we want to enjoy, encourage you to worship us and join us and worship a little something like this. We want to tell Go ahead and greet somebody. Oh, my. 
protecting us and taking care of us. And we thank him for that. Let's have a word of prayer. Our God, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. There is none like you. Lord, we just come thanking you this morning, Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for a reasonable portion of health and strength. Lord, we just thank you for taking care of us, Heavenly Father. Father, we know, Heavenly Father, that you know all about us. You know what we need even before we ask for it, Heavenly Father. And we are thankful for you, Heavenly Father, that you give ear unto our cries, Heavenly Father. Father, please bless all in the sanctuary, from the front to the back and side to side, Heavenly Father, in the foyer, all outside, Heavenly Father. Bless us, Heavenly Father, that we have come into this place to worship you, Heavenly Father. Father, we're asking you right now, Heavenly Father, help us, Heavenly Father, to forget about ourselves right now, Lord. No matter what's going on in our lives, help us right now to just concentrate on you and give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that you so richly deserve, Heavenly Father. For there is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved but the name of Jesus. It is only by your name, Heavenly Father, that we can be saved. Lord, just help us right now. Lord, bless every song that will be sung. Bless the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going to go forth, Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify you. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen, church. Amen. amen, amen. The scripture reading will come from Romans chapter 5. We're going to go down to verse 12. Romans chapter 5. If you're able to stand in God's word, you may do so. Romans chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 12. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 5. Give everyone an opportunity to find it. I see some pages still turning. Romans chapter 5 at verse 12. It begins, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift led to our being made right with God even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sins of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. 
Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
So he's worthy to be praised. As we are kicking into our Lent season, we look forward to celebrating and remembering the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And as we are in this time of Lent, it's a time of us to reflect and remember what Christ has done for us. Uh, he has come to set us free. He has come to restore us in right relationship with God. And we know sin has caused a crimson stain. Sin caused so much damage and issues uh, in our lives. And this time of Lent, these 40 days, opportunity maybe for us to refocus, uh, to rekindle, and to reunite our relationship with God. And you might be able to fast. You might be able to give up something for these 40 days and to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. We can be in prayer, uh, definitely for God to continue to add on to his church. Uh, that we continue to be great witnesses and ambassadors of this great ministry of reconciliation. And as we prepare to receive our word today, let us pray one more time. God, we just thank you that you are God alone and that you are exalted high above the earth and there is none like you. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, Father, Lord, move right now in this space. Lord, let it be all of you, Lord, none of me, to preach your word that we might see Jesus and have your word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you. Speak now, Lord. Just sit and listen, Lord, we pray. Amen. We want to live in God's grace and know the joy and the peace that comes to be in a right relationship with the Lord. One thing about our lives we know for sure is that it's full of adversity, some trials, and some tribulations. We may suffer hardships, pains, and issues, and then we might have some broken pieces in our lives. But here's one beautiful thing that we can always do with these broken pieces. We can take them to the Lord, who can make us whole. Sin destroys, sin kills, but yet God heals. And to know that God is able to kill, we can rejoice and know how wonderful is it to have a right relationship with God? When you look at this 12th uh, verses of the 5th chapter of Romans, that you open up there, if you look, and it says, when Adam sinned. Uh, it's letting you know there's a transition there. Or, or you know, since, since Adam sinned, this entered the world. But yet, if you look earlier at that 11th verse of the Romans 5th chapter, it says, so now we can rejoice. In our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us what? Friends of God. Anybody here glad to be a friend of God? That he calls you friend. But you see, the work of our friendship came from Jesus. Nothing we did made us friends of God, but what Jesus has done for us. Can you take a moment now and just look back in your life and just say, like, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in my life, how you brought me a mighty, mighty long way. When we look it over where we are now, we thank God where we are now because we're not where we could have been. We thank God we're not who we used to be. We're not who we want to be, but thank God we're not who we used to be. This is all by God's grace. That's why we like that hymn, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's one of the few songs you will sing that talk bad about yourself. Because you call yourself a wretch. <laughs> and if you look up that word, you'll be realizing like, man, that's me? And you'll be like, yes, that is me. But amazing grace <laughs> that saved a wretch like me. I was blind, but now I, say I was lost, but now I'm found. But to think about how we get joy to know that the circumstances that we were in, God is able to turn them around. Paul is writing about this amazing grace and how grace increases. Grace increased because the power of sin is defeated in the superiority of Jesus, the Son of God, who is fully man and fully God. I, I want you to help priests you know, let them know that Jesus is fully man and fully God. If you if you with us online, go ahead and send that message out to somebody that Jesus is fully man and fully God. Because sometimes we people make Jesus be some kind of mythical person that was just a man. But no, he is divine and he is human. He is fully God and fully man. He is the son of God. He and God is one. And because of that, he made us one by him dying on the cross for our sins. 
Therefore, we must live in submission to God's will, totally humbling ourselves and picking up our cross and following after Christ. We embrace this grace of Jesus by showing simple obedience. See, obedience is better than sacrifice. When we look at this 12th to this 21st verse, Paul is writing to the church of Rome and letting them know that you got to get right with Christ. Don't abuse God's grace. That's what he's pointing out to them, that you don't want to live immoral just because God's grace is that good. Because God's grace is so good, people feel, well, hey, I can do whatever I want and nothing's going to happen to me. That's what happened to Adam. That's why he picks up in verse 12, it says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sin. Adam is the old origin of sin into this world. What did Adam do? He disobeyed God's command. The command that God gave him was do not eat of the truth. Now, I want to highlight here, Paul did not say it was Eve's fault. He did not say it was the serpent's fault. He said Adam. God gave the command to Adam. This one man that God had created, initiated humanity, is the one that also brought in sin. This is pointing out how Adam's act brought in the injury of sin. You go back into Genesis, the second chapter, and you see when God created him, there is no sin. Then come the third chapter, we find out Adam, there is sin. So the first two chapters, no sin. Adam comes in the scene, sin. And from on, what happens? Death. Pain, suffering, but more directly, let me give you the injury of sin that happened in this text of Genesis. Adam's relationship with God was broken. He was able to talk to God and speak with God, but when he sinned, he felt ashamed. He had to hide from God. Sin causes shame. It causes guilt. It breaks relationships. And notice this relationship was broken with God, but also the relationship was broken with Eve, his wife. They had a broken relationship. And then sin also produces death. Many of us want life in our lives. We don't want death. Well, if you want more life, we need more spiritual food in our lives and not the flesh. We got to submit to the spirit, not feed the flesh. We got to be humble before the will of God and realize that what happens when we feed the flesh is going to give birth to sin. And sin also brings us the other injury of condemnation. To be condemned means you are guilty, but also you know you are deserving of punishment. But we can't get ourselves right on our own. This sin is a nagging injury. It's a pain. It's a discomfort. It's a wrinkle. It's a spot that you can't get out. And it's an irritation that stays in your life. It's the fly in the soup. It's the nail in your tie. Whatever that sin is in your life is going to mess with you until you fix it. Sin entered into this world that was messing with us until God fixed it. Aren't you glad that God fixed it? And this is how God fixed it. Realize that, again, nothing we can do to remove this sin. There's nothing we can do to satisfy and remove this pain and make everything right with God but God's grace. What is grace? We asked some good questions this morning. Grace is God's gift. This gift that he gives to us is his unmerited favor. It's him saying, I will bless you and not punish you. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world, but yet Christ came so that grace could be provided in the world. Therefore, God moves to provide us the help to recover us from this mortal injury. Go back earlier in Romans, the fifth chapter. Y'all still with me? Look at verse 10. It says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we were certainly we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. It says, while we were still enemies. Our sin got broken the relationship with God, that we are enemies with God, we're fighting with God. And here's the thing, you can take a, a time to review in your own life and start thinking about who am I fighting with? And why am I fighting with them? And say, what sin needs to be addressed? Is it my sin of pride? Is it my sin of ego? Is it, my, is it my sin of greed? What is it that's causing me to fight and argue amongst my brothers and sisters and my friends? When we look at it, that argument is all these and this antagonistic spirits coming from, that's not the spirit of love. 
It's not the spirit of peace. It's not the spirit of unity. Because love will move away all fear. Love will, will, will remove and heal. Love endures all things, holds all things. Here's how God shows us that I realize there's an injury here. There's a pain here that you cannot fix on your own. So Christ had to step in while we were yet still sinners. Before we could get right, he had to make it right. That's, that's able to help somebody that's out there that's saying, I, I will come to Christ. I'll come to church when I can get right. That's when you can let them know that's why he came, because we can't get ourselves right. Don't, don't wait till what you think you're going to get right. Understand, he's already made it right. He already died on the cross for your sins. He's already set you free. So don't walk in the power that you have no power, but call on the power that can do all things. Grace is greater than sin. Sin brings forth death, but grace is greater than sin because it is able to overcome the injury of sin. That's why Paul writes to create the old death, where is that victory? Sin, where is that sin? Because death has been defeated through Jesus. Also, when we look at Adam being compared to Jesus, the impact of sin was from Adam to Moses, Paul writes. And Romans 3.23, earlier also that he points out in, chat, uh, in this great letter, for all has sinned. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Not all did the same sin as Adam. It makes it very clear. Not all was ate of the tree. So right, it wasn't us that ate from the tree, but we're all now suffering because he ate from the tree. Because what sin brought in was death. It brought in corruption. It brought in wickedness. It brought in evil. We are still dinner. Still, everyone died. Verse 14 says, everyone died from Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol of a representation of Christ who was yet to come. This is where we hear this typology. Adam is a type and Jesus is the antitype. What's meaning here is that Adam was a symbol or a type or a pattern of Jesus. Here it is. Adam is the origin of humankind, and he brought forth mankind, but yet everybody came after Adam died. Jesus, the second Adam, takes what was broken and restores, and he is the first of the resurrection to never die again, and everyone who's born of Christ shall live. And so that's why Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. That's why Jesus says you must be born again. That's why Jesus died so that we might have life. Adam died, but nobody was rose again. <laughs> but Jesus died so that we can live again. So the type that Jesus represents those who came before, but he's the fulfillment of the prophecy and the salvation that God has promised to us. There's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift, though. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through his other man, Jesus Christ. That's verse 15, New Living Translation. Think about the gift. God's grace is a gift and it's a gift. <laughs> so the gift of grace, I see that there. God really needs to lavishly bless us. This, this gift he freely gives to us. That we don't deserve. He's letting us know that you do deserve death. But I'm going to withhold this from you, what you do deserve, and give you what you did not earn. That you do not even deserve, but I'm going to give it to you like you deserve. Because Jesus died for you. So all the calls on Jesus' name shall be saved. Adam brought forth sin and death and separation and broken relationships. But Jesus brings us grace. Grace is a supernatural gift, highlighting again how Adam is just a man, but Jesus is super. Think about how children want superheroes. We'll point them to Jesus. <laughs> He's a superhero. He's from out of this world. That, that, that's what he told. He says, I am not of this realm. My kingdom is of another kingdom. Most, most superheroes come from another place. <laughs> he came from heaven. Come on, somebody. And let him know that this man is super. He is above. He is above and above. That's where we get hyper, above, super. And so Adam brought this, but this is greater because Jesus is greater. Anybody glad? 
So if he is greater and he is more powerful, not only is his grace better, but his grace will also show us how God will give us his blessing and his mercy, but also the gift of forgiveness. This is coupled in God's grace. This is how we let people know what Christ and what Christ has done for us. It's how we love them and how we love them, we forgive them. And how we forgive them, we show grace to them. Here's the beautiful thing about being a Christian is that we show people what it looks like. The world shows you how you ought to live, but we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Therefore, we should be different than how the world is living. People can't see us angry, but yet we won't sin while we're angry. Yeah, I'm mad, but I don't have to curse you out because I'm angry. I can pray for you and bless you and curse now. I can turn the other cheek. The world will say, no, you are a punk. You are weak for letting somebody walk all over you. But you can let them know that I will get up again. <laughs> when we understand the priority is to serve him and not our ego and our pride, it's easier for us to humble ourselves and let God take over our lives. This grace helps us to understand what forgiveness looks like. Another thing the Bible teaches, forgiveness is a theological principle. A lot of people tell you how to forgive somebody, but they don't forgive. Forgiveness is not forgiving. It doesn't work that way. Our brain is too good. <laughs> Our brains remember a lot of stuff that we try to forgive. It, it remember. So therefore, since you remember it, that's how you can also remember. I forgave you for that. You can remember and say, I for, so if I forgave you for that, then I will treat you with love. I will treat you with kindness. I won't treat you with contempt. I want to treat you with animosity because if I have not forgiven you, then I'm going to treat you with contempt and animosity and let you know how much I don't like you. But when I forgive you and you know you've done me wrong, but I treat you with kindness and love, you might want to say, you know what, I might want to change my attitude. Proverbs 15 tells us how a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When I can be nice and I can be kind to those who are wicked and evil to me, they might want to change their behavior and realize, why am I being so mean to somebody who's so nice? But when we allow God to take the lead, it helps us to realize that I don't have to fight my battles. The battle belongs to the Lord. We don't have to worry about how someone might take advantage of us and realize that Christ died so that I might be set free. The Son says free is free indeed. The result of this gracious gift is different, is greater than what this world has to offer. The world has nothing to offer but death. Continue on, we see verses 16 and 17, the word of God says. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one's man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads us to our being made right with God. Can somebody say right with God? Even though we are guilty of many sins. Isn't that something? <laughs> I am right with God even though I'm guilty of many sins. That means that I am right with God, but I also know I am guilty. But being guilty, I'm not ashamed because I'm right with God. <laughs> and since I'm right with God and I know I've done wrong, I realize I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm going to change my behavior. That's where we get repentance from. I'm going to change my behavior so I'm no longer this guilty person, but now I'm walking as an innocent person, a righteous person, a holy person, doing the work of my God. For sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph. Y'all see that there? Live in triumph over sin and death, through this one man, Jesus Christ. Tell your neighbor, you are triumphant. We are triumphant over sin and death through Christ Jesus. God's wonderful grace calls us to live in right relationship with him. This right relationship with God helps us to heal our hearts, heal our relationships, heal what has been broken. It removes our shame, our guilt, and it helps remove our condemnation. Now, if you're familiar with Romans, then you might know Romans 8, chapter, verse 1 says, Now there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Y'all catch that there. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He's 
Building up is arguing right here in chapter 5, letting you know that if you've been saved, you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, you don't need to walk around with your head hang down low. But you can let people know that I've been saved, I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, and God's been good to me. It removes our shame, it removes our guilt, and it removes condemnation, removes judgment, because Jesus says that if you believe in him, you shall live. So we walk in this confidence and we're in the promise of the Lord. We always have victory in our God because our God is great. I want to encourage you to walk in confidence in this Lord, knowing that obedience is better than sacrifice. Jesus is greater than Adam, and Adam's one violation of God's command resulted in condemnation to all. Therefore, one act of righteousness by Jesus removed our condemnation. Jesus provides justification of life for all. Because what Adam has done, Jesus reversed it and made it great. That we are no longer condemned because of our guilt, but yet we are made right to be justified and be in a right relationship with God. Has, how God has shown this through Jesus, how much more we can show that to others that we might have broken relationships, that we want to have restoration, we want to have peace, that we can show someone how we can love them, how we can treat them the way they should be treated, not the way they treat us. Oftentimes we tell somebody doing things you have them doing, but they do you dirty, you do them dirty. But no, let us treat them how God wants us to treat them. God wants us to treat everybody as they are his bearer images, because we are. He wants us to love everybody. He wants us to forgive everybody. He wants us to care for everybody. And this is the challenge that we all have to do because the world is hard. People get on our nerves every day. And we want to tell them how much we don't like them, how much they make us angry and make us upset. But instead, we ought to bless them and curse them. We need to pray for them and pray that they be successful, not pray for their demise. When we are living for Christ, we're not living for this world. This world kills, steals, and destroys. It's all about who could be number one and who could be at the bottom, as long as I'm at the top. Matter of fact, that's why we got a lot of songs. People talk about how they're number one and how they're on top and how they have the best, they have the greatest. But yet Jesus says, I'll be the last. I'll be the least. The greatest is the servant of all. If we want to be great, but let us be like Christ. Jesus points us, obedience is better in Luke eleven twenty eight. But even more blessed are, are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. There's a blessing in obedience. It's better to obey than to say, I'm sorry. What does obedience mean? It means that I am listening and paying attention. I know what to do and how to do it. Obedience means that I am in compliance and I'm not worried of getting in trouble because I'm following the rules. When I'm obedient, I don't need to look over my shoulder. I can live boldly knowing that I have no shame or no guilt because I'm doing what is right. But disobedience is doubt and unbelief. Doubt leads to sin because it lacks faith in God's word. Think of people who are called disobedient, how we describe them. It may be involved some simple sayings like this. You're not listening. Hard-headed. Obstinate. Stubborn. Stubborn. And simply just refuse to obey. That is a contrast to the obedience means I am listening. <laughs> I am being obedient. I am following the instructions. But the disobedient are not listening. And not following the instructions. What happened to Adam? What was his sin? Disobedience. Not listening. Not following the instructions. Jesus comes so that he realized that y'all not going to get right. Y'all can't get right. Let me help you out to get right. So let me die on the cross so that I can defeat death and defeat the power of sin. And then now show you how you ought to live humbly before your Lord. Grace versus judgment is also suggested here in this text. When he compares, he compares Adam to Jesus. Adam as the type, Jesus as the antitype. Adam uh, brought in sin, Jesus brought in grace and restoration and forgiveness. And then also, as we are Lent season represents the 40 days Jesus was in the, in the wilderness being tempted. He did not sin. So a Adam has sinned, Jesus with no sin. Adam died guilty of a sin, Jesus died innocent because he took on our sins. 
And when we understand that how we have this judgment versus grace, how grace stepped in. This text so far has been expressed as the act of God's grace over judgment. Adam and his comparison is the lesser. Jesus is the greater. Jesus is greater than all things that come this way. And when we see, when we get closer to the end of our text, it's because one person disobeyed God. Many became what? Sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Tell you that, it only takes one. Because of Jesus, the chosen one, the only begotten son of God, stepped in to make us right with God. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Thank God for your abundant grace. We have to be confident in this grace of God. What Paul expressed to us is show us that Jesus overcame the power of sin. And because Jesus overcame it, guess what? You can too. Don't walk around with your head bowed down thinking, I can't do it. I can't overcome. And in one sense, you are correct. You cannot. But with God, you can. For man is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's why we say I am more than a conqueror, not based on what I have, because I'm with him. <laughs> He's made me more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No weapon formed against me so prosper because I'm in Jesus. When we are in him, we find our power, we find our strength, we find our might. But if we are trying to do it by ourselves, yes, you will be weak and alone. Jesus made it very clear. He says, apart from you can do nothing. But if you abide in me and I abide in you, anything you ask in my Father's name will be given to you, which means this, that you'll be doing my will, and my God will supply you to get the will done. Think about any job you do. They give you the materials to be successful in your job. If you got to deliver a pizza, they won't give you a car. Come on, somebody. They're going to make sure, you know, Domino's making the new cars out and say, hey, we're going to make sure that pizza gets to you. If they have, if you need to work and you need lights in the building, they're going to pay the, they're going to pay the bills for life. You're not paying the bills for the lights to be turned on. They ain't doing They say, we need to get this work done. They're going to give you a computer. They're going to give you a supplier. You think God's not going to give you what you need to work for his kingdom? Paul wants us to know this burden of sin and the pain that we're dealing with is not greater than the power that's in Jesus. This penalty of sin is, is hard, it's heavy, but that's why only God could take care of it. God's wonderful grace increased even more because as sin abounds, so does grace abound. Which means this, that you cannot out-sin God's grace, but also means don't try. Do you want to see healing in your relationships? Try Jesus. Do you want to see healing of your broken heart? Try Jesus. Do you want to see peace in your life? Try Jesus. Do you want to have a right relationship with God the Father? Try Jesus, his son. I want you to know we have victory. I want you to know that God never fails. I'm going to close out as we look at how faithful God's grace and love is towards us. Let me tell you how God endorses this message, that love never fails. Lamentations 3.22 says, the faithful Love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. Now, some of you say, well, that's Old Testament. Can you give me New Testament? Yes, I can. Uh, here's another endorsement of this message. First Corinthians 13 and 8. Prophets are speaking in unknown language and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. I want you to be confident in God's grace because it never fails. So your neighbor, God's grace never fails. I want you to think about the last time you felt confident in your life. Let me see if I can help you remember a time you feel confident in an action or a situation in your life. And you can realize how it turned out in your favor just as you expected it was going to. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how I like to play spades. And playing spades with your partner, you got a good book going, but you know sometimes if you're going to get set, if you don't get that last book, so you try to play your hand just right my talk to somebody here. And so in order to save your bid and make sure you don't get set back, you want to make sure, but you found out you got the big joker. And you know, well, no call beat the big joker. 
And some of you might feel like I did. I felt so good. You might have slapped that bad boy on your forehead. Let him know. No matter what you put down, it's not going to beat this. Or, or you might be like the other person. They're going to beat you up. But you show the other person like, this car ain't going to be what I got. And you lay it down. That's confidence. Or may, maybe you were playing the game of dominoes. Some of y'all know that game too, right? And you know that you have the last one. And you ready for it. You ready for it. You ready for it. All of a sudden, you slam it down hard. Domino, I'm out. And you let everybody, you mess up the whole ball, you slam it down so hard. Let them know, yeah, y'all, y'all watch that up. I'm going to sit back here now, right? Confident. Or maybe you're playing that game of one-on-one basketball. And I like to play pickup basketball. You're going out there. You're feeling real good. And you know it's game point. Some of y'all don't understand you play basketball. You play game point. You play to a game, and whoever gets first to that point, they win. So if somebody got that shot, you can cross them up and pass the assist. And you say, game, you're walking down the other side. You know that person about to make the shot. Maybe you've been confident that way. Or maybe it was you that took the shot and you said, gang, and you walked off the court and picked up your shoes and said, we'll be out of here. Or maybe you were just sitting down playing a puzzle and you were confident I got the last word and you put it in. Whatever it is, I want you to understand you felt confident. But here's the beautiful thing about this. A lot of those things were based on what you did. A lot of it was based on what you thought you can do and what you think you can control. But let me point you out how you can be confident knowing that you have no control, but God is in control. And you can be confident knowing that if he says that he has forgiven me, he has blessed me with his grace. Well, let me walk in his grace. Let me walk around knowing I am a child of God. People may call me other names, but they don't know me. (laughs) I'm walking in confidence. Here's a beautiful thing I want you to know about this confidence is that every time you're taking a step, walking in the confidence of the Lord, he is watching over you. Because his love never fails. Grace is greater because God is great. We are confident in the word of the Lord. Every promise of the Lord is a yes and an amen. If you need help for that, I'll give you another endorsement for that. Second Corinthians 1 and 20. It says, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes I want you to understand that amen means yes, and yes is an amen, which means this, that when Jesus says it, amen, and amen means it is so, it is done. So walk in the confidence of knowing that my God has restored me in a right relationship with him, so let me not walk with my head bowed down, living in sin, feeling ashamed, and feeling with guilt, but let me lift up my eyes towards the hills which cometh my help, and all my help comes from the Lord. I'm going to walk in his mercy and in his grace, knowing that it's by his grace and his mercy I've made it this far. I know I am not worthy. I know I don't deserve That's why it's called grace. It's a gift. And if you've been taught right, you tell people thank you when they give you a gift. So you're going to walk around saying, thank you, Lord. You've been good to me. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me better than I deserve. So walk in that confidence and know that our God is great. As we're in the time of Lent, knowing that God came to restore us back with him, I want you to thank him for restoring you. And show him your gratitude by how you walk and how you live. Don't give him lip service. Give him full service. Say, Lord, here I am. I am yours. You'll be challenged because you might have to deal with some people that you don't like. Let me help you out. Um, Judas was a disciple. You won't deal with some people that may not be for you. They may hurt you, but yet you got to Love them. Jesus washed Judas' feet. I might have to wash some people's feet. I might have to humble myself, but yet I know that after all this said and done, he will lift me up. Because our God is greater. Our God is awesome. Our God is higher than all the earth. And knowing that he wants us to be in right relationship with him, let us walk in that confidence. Let us walk in that peace. Let us pray. Mighty God, we just thank you. For how great you are, how awesome you are, how magnificent you are. Thank you, Lord, for saving a wretch like us. Thank you, God, that you saw our needs and you forgave us, Lord, for all our sins. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that your grace never fails. It never runs out. Uh, Thank you, God, that we can walk in your confidence and your promise in your word because everything you said is faithful and true. Lord, help us remove doubt, 
Let us walk in obedience. Uh, Lord, let us not lean into our own understanding, but in all our ways we acknowledge you, and may you direct our paths. Open up the eyes of our hearts, Lord, that we might see you and see you more clear, and that the, the great overflow of your love will fill us and guide us and direct us. Lord, if there's someone who does not know Jesus, as the Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that they can today right now confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Christ is Lord and they shall be saved. God move in their lives. Father, I pray that if the, that they can join this fellowship and resign and be baptized and join in communion. And Lord, I pray if there's someone out there, Lord, that uh, need another church, God, we pray that you would guide them directly to where that church is. Lord, if it's not locally here in this community, that they can find a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, teaching church, that they can grow in the abolition of you, knowing that they have been saved by grace. There's nothing that we can do, oh God, but what you have already done, we just say thank you, God, for saving us and blessing us. Uh, now, Father, we ask you to guide us and direct us. We continue on this worship, we pray. Amen. If that was you out online or you here, we, amen, we encourage you to reach out to us. You're welcome to join us and learn what it means to be saved, to be baptized and have fellowship of the saints through communion, of you breaking the bread and drinking of the cup together. We want to encourage you to join this place of design. Reach out to us uh, through our website. If you're here today, if you can if you just want to see one of the ministers or the deacons after worship, we have to share with you how you can join this fellowship and know how you are a part of the awesome body of Christ. Amen. As we prepare to give God his tithes and his offering, uh, let us uh, pray as we prepare to give God what already belongs to him. Let us pray. Mighty God, uh, bless us, Lord, as we prepare to give back what already belongs to you. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for how you blessed us, how you increased uh, Father, yes, we bless those who have desired to give, but yet have not. We thank you, Lord, that you supply our every need. Now, Father, bless what is given for the increase and the multiplying of your services, your ministry, uh, of preaching your gospel, clothing the naked, feeding the sick, uh, feeding the hungry, and, and visiting the sick and the shut. Father, move as only you can, and we freely give back to you all that belongs to you. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Ask you to rise and follow the instructions of the usher to lead you around. Amen. And thanks for online. Thank you for joining us this morning. God bless you. May he keep you.